So it's good to hang out with you this Christmas week. Who had good Christmases so far? You'd say on the range of Christmases they've been good. That is awesome. Because I've been thinking a lot about this lately, this whole Christmas thing. And the fact that all these weeks of Advent, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and talking about what it means to expect and prepare and to rejoice and to respond and, and ultimately to receive Jesus. So I'm hoping that you are blessed. I'm hoping that as your Christmas came, you had those just special gifts of, of moments with family. That you actually had, uh, maybe you did get the presents that you're hoping for and that brought joy. Maybe you had uh, finally some uh, heavenly peace, some downtime, some rest time. I hope that you had those kind of gifts. Because it was a little bit different at my house, because uh, we actually were celebrating three Christmases this season. I don't know if you got this going on with your family. We celebrated with my, my, just my immediate family on the 24th, because Lisa was working all day on the 25th. And then we had Lisa's family over yesterday. And so we had another flurry of gifts and celebration. Then we're flying to Salt Lake tonight to celebrate on Wednesday with my... Are you excited, Katie? She just goes... And we're celebrating with my family, uh, my dad and a, and a cousin, on Wednesday night. And so the, just the craziest thing about our house is it feels like Christmas is still coming, you know? That we've been waiting, 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 have a little bit of Christmas, but we still got to wait some more. And there's a little bit, a little bit more waiting, and then, ah, we got another Christmas, but we still got to wait some more. And I, I finally asked Katie, I said, what's it like to have to, to still be waiting for Christmas? And she made one of those faces, and she goes, horror. And I thought she'd say horrible, but it just was actually one syllable. She goes, hard. I wanted to come now. And she's pumped about the snow in Utah for sure. That's her big thing. But I know I can, I can relate, relate a lot to what she's saying because we go through the whole Christmas season and then it's like over and then it feels like we're still waiting for something special. We're still waiting for something special. And the crazy thing about the Christmas story is Jesus finally comes as a baby and in Scripture, with the exception of a couple stories... We have to wait nearly 30 years before he comes on the scene again as a 30-year-old teacher. We heard that story when he goes into Nazareth and he reads the Isaiah passage and he says, I'm the Messiah, I'm the one who's come. A brand new baby, he's going to be the king, and then there's this waiting, 30 years. And then even, even after Jesus lives his life as a Savior, dies on a cross, rises, raises, is raised from the dead, and then ascends into heaven... What's what, he te- what does he tell his disciples? You've got to wait some more. Go and wait for power to come on from high. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And we're going to learn all about that as we bust into the book of Acts after the new year. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes. And as I've been reflecting on it, I, I think the thing that most struck me is that we never graduate from waiting as Christians. We never graduate from waiting. And just as we never graduate from trusting, just as we never graduate from seeking after Him, just as we never graduate from having doubts and fears, we ultimately never graduate from waiting. So in the meantime, on this journey of faith, how do we hold on to hope so that we can get to a place where we see our waiting prayers answered. That's the story we're going to look at today, the story of Simeon, who saw God's promise come true and saw his waiting prayers answered. Would you please join me in a word of prayer?
Father, I know that each of us come uh, from different places in life. We've got stuff on our plates. Our lives are busy and full. There are hurts and brokenness going on. And really only you know uh, the kind of the condition of our heart that brings us here today. But I pray that no matter how long it seems that we've been waiting and praying and crying out to you, that we would not give up hope, that we'd hold on, that we'd be sensitive to your Spirit's nudge and leading and guiding, that we'd be moved to know that your promises are true, that you're a God that's with us and for us, and that we'll see... We'll see your goodness in your time. Lord, just to meet us right now, encourage our hearts. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be looking at the story of Simeon in Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to open it up. We'll put it up on the screen. Uh, but this is just one of these rare gems in Scripture that maybe a lot of folks haven't spent time um, looking at. And it's just got some, some great things to teach us about waiting. Um, around here the last couple of years, we've been talking a little bit about uh, one method of Bible study called the SOAP method. Anybody remember I was talking about SOAP? SOAP? SOAPy? SOAPy? Okay, me and Tom. Great. So we'll, we'll, um, but I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask for your help today, and you're going to help chip in. You're not going to be able to read what I write because my handwriting is awful, but it'll get our minds thinking. So SOAP stands for, um, S in SOAP stands for Scripture, and that's Luke chapter 2. The O in SOAP stands for Observations. And asks the, you ask the question, what do we see when we read this passage? The A in soap asks, what does it mean? So what, how's this passage, uh, it's application. What's this, how's the application of this passage for my life? What does it mean? And the P in soap is a prayer. And so we're actually going to do this Bible study method together, looking at this passage, observing it, digging, digging out some nuggets of truth from it, and applying them to our life. Okay? Before we read the passage, though, I want to share one person's interpretation of this passage. Uh, a, a musician named Michael Card did this song from Simeon. Simeon. It's called Simeon's Song, and it's just a beautiful take on the scripture. So I'll let you guys check it out. Bye. 
Isn't that beautiful? Michael Card stuff's awesome. So let's look at Luke chapter 2 together. We're going to start in verse 21. And we'll kind of look at it in four segments and reflect on it together. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he'd been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Okay, we'll press pause right there. I'm not going to write this up. But what kind of things do you observe or see about Mary and Joseph, these young parents with an eight-day-old baby? What kind of things are they up to? They're obeying the law. They're good Jews. They're just obeying the law. What you do with your baby, brand new baby? What are the things they do? They got a name for him. Where they get? They, they didn't get it from the big fat, you know, three thousand names for you know zero A.D. or whatever. Where they get? They get the name from the angel. Some of you, when you're trying to name your kids, are like, oh, if only an angel would tell me what I should call this kid. The angel gave them the name. And they went and they went to the temple as good Jews and they presented Jesus before the Lord. They said, this is your baby. They were good Jews just following out the law. Now we're going to see what happens next um, with Simeon, starting in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ, or the word means Messiah, anointed one. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, and Simeon took him into his arms. We'll talk about that in just one moment. So, Simeon, tell me some things about Simeon. We're going to write them up. Again, this is a great way to do Bible study. I journaled this, and so I'm going to share a little bit of my reflections. What are some things you see about this passage, about Simeon, when, when they come? Tell me things about Simeon. He was righteous and devout. He was waiting. He was waiting. For how long? It doesn't really tell, but... It seems like he was waiting for a while. Thank you. What else? Yes. He rejoiced. Well, look it up there. Yeah. He saw Jesus. He rejoiced. What are some other things you know about him? Just from that passage. Led by the Holy Spirit. Three times it talks about the Holy Spirit. First, the Holy Spirit was what? Upon him, and then he received something from the Holy Spirit. What? A promise. Some kind of word that he would he would do what? What's a promise? He would see the Messiah before he died. And then I love the I love what it says. You're going to read this all the time in the book of Acts. What's the Holy Spirit do? The verb. The Holy Spirit moved him. There are crazy. I mean, you will see this all the time in the, in the book of Acts. Like the Holy Spirit says, Hey, Philip, go stand by that chariot. And so actually, the Holy Spirit moved him, and what did he do? He obeyed, right? He went, what are the things you see in the passage? 
That's pretty good. Oh, he was waiting for something. That's a big word. I had to look it up. Comfort. Yeah, consolation is comfort of Israel. What was the state of Israel? Not the state, I mean, what was the situation for Israel? They're getting just hammered, squished, Romans crushing them. There are lots of people excited about a Messiah to come to kick out the Romans and bring back bring the throne back to Israel, bring pride back to Israel because they were getting smushed big time. So many people were crying out for the comfort, the consolation of Israel, and he was waiting for that. So I give you a picture of the kind of, kind of guy Simeon is, right? Okay, let's go on to the next chunk of Simeon's song. So when he saw... Bible's helpful. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. What about Simeon's song strikes you? What do you see in his song? You guys are doing great. This is awesome. It's like junior high Bible study. No, I'm just kidding. I love you. I love you. You guys are doing great. Doing great. What do you see in his song? Yeah, he's rejoicing. He's, he is pumped. And why? So Yeah? Yeah, the promise is fulfilled. In this little baby. I mean, what would it have been like to, to be in the temple courts that day? You're just hanging out. You're, you're doing whatever you do in the temple courts. And you see this young couple, this peasant couple coming in with a baby. And this old guy who'd been there how many years? Coming every day to the temple courts. How many years? And he jumps up and does this crazy thing. He picks this baby up out of his mom's arms. And he starts singing. He's worshiping. He's going crazy about this promise fulfilled. Don't you think you would, the people in the temple courts were probably tripping out that day? Right? Not an everyday occurrence. Not an everyday occurrence. What, 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 in this song, in this prayer to God, what are the things that he's saying? My, your promise is fulfilled. What else does he say? Salvation has come. And for who? For all people, for Gentiles and for Jews. Dude, there were eyebrows. I mean, and some of those Jews had really bushy eyebrows, obviously. Some of those eyebrows totally raised. What? A light for the Gentiles? Hope for the Gentiles? Salvation for everybody? you got to be kidding me. What else? Did, yes. Yes. Yes, daughter. Yes. Oh, I know. It's so tough. The pressure's on. There's one other thing that is amazing me about what you see in this passage. He says, man, your promise is fulfilled, so I am, I am good to go. I, he says that, right? <laughs> All right, he's, he's ready, to, he's good to go. Yeah, he's ready to die. So let's, let's talk about some application in just one moment. Let me say how, uh, Mary, let's read about how Mary and Joseph respond, and then we'll talk about the application of Simeon's faith. 
The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Check this out. What would it be like to be Mary and Joseph in this? I mean, they've had some crazy experiences over the last nine months. Angels coming and talking to Mary. Dreams, Joseph. they got to travel all over the place. They have the baby in a stall, in a, in a manger. And then shepherds come. They tell about angels. There's stars. All this craziness. And then they just, they're just trying to be good Jews. They go into the temple. And this guy takes their baby and starts singing this song about salvation has come in this nine-pound baby. We'll say six-pound baby. Six-pound, eight-ounce baby. <laughs> Nutrition wasn't that good back then. This little baby, salvation has come. They marveled at it because they weren't, they were just piecing this puzzle together, right? They're just piecing this puzzle together. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary's mother, The child, this child, is destined to cause the rising and falling of many in Israel to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Jesus is going to rock everything that they knew. Everything. And then the very next thing, this prophetess Anna comes up and takes the baby and starts telling everybody about salvation come in this little baby. But I want to reflect and talk about the application of Simeon's faith for you and I today. What does, what's this faith mean for you and I today? And there's six questions I just want to, that I guess I was challenged by and I want to challenge you by today as we think about Simeon's faith. What can we learn from him about the times when waiting prayers are answered. Number one, the question I have is, what's it mean to be righteous and devout? What's it mean to be righteous and devout? You know, I think in the church we beat ourselves up for not being churchy enough or good enough or whatever else. This was just a guy who sought after God. He had a right relationship with God. He was devoted to making his life about seeking after God. And you can see that played out in a lot of different ways. And I want, I want that for my life. Not to get just caught up in, in religious duties or tasks that I feel like I have to do, obligation. I want to be known as someone seeking after God, righteous and devout. Second question is, I think about the fact he was waiting for the comfort, the consolation of Israel. Here's a question. Where in your life are you waiting for comfort? Where in your life right now is your prayer about a need for comfort? Because if you watch this, this is amazing. Waiting is passive action. Do you know what I'm talking about? Waiting is passive action. I am not good at passive action. I am hyperactive all the time. And so I try to fix things. I try to manipulate things. I try to tell God how to run this universe and all these things because I'm ready for action. Passive action, waiting on God's timing, I am not good at that. Anyone else struggle? Hey, there are more honest people at this service than the last service. I love it. <laughs> but the, the fact is, there are some things in life that are too big for me to fix. Too big for you to fix on your own. The comfort for Israel, man, that was a God-sized problem. But Simeon was ready to wait for that. For that comfort. What's the thing in your life right now that you would name and say, that's the thing that's, man, it's a God-sized hurt I need comfort with. A God-sized ache, a God-sized challenge. I can't do any more with it. I need to wait for the comfort of the Lord. Think about that. Number three, not just was he waiting, 
but he had the Holy Spirit on him. And it leads me to this question, what's it look like to have the Holy Spirit on you, on me? You know, is that just meant for special people in the Bible who do really incredible special things? Or do we believe what Scripture says, that the Holy Spirit is given to us as a guarantee for a promise of a relationship with God? That it's been, uh, we've been entrusted and anointed by the Holy Spirit to live a life of faith and power. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is upon you? Do you believe that you are sent out just as, with as much power as anyone in the Bible to live a, a, a life for God? But if that's the case, what's it look like? How do I slow down enough to hear the Holy Spirit? How do I slow down enough to be moved and directed and guided? Because it would seem like a prerequisite for being moved by the Holy Spirit is to be able to wait and to be able to listen and then have that prompting. This is an odd story, guys, that Simeon would wait all these years and go to the, go to the temples and then... However the Spirit showed him this spotlight wow, on baby Jesus, he knew. And he went and he picked this baby up and he knew. I believe that God's inviting us into that kind of life where we can be nudged and prompted by the Holy Spirit. And maybe you would say, I've had those Simeon moments. I've had those moments where I felt like, ah, I just need to call that friend. For some reason I'm feeling like I need to call that friend. Or maybe you're talking with a friend and you feel like, oh, I just feel, I, gosh, something inside me says, I need to say this to my friend. It's a hard word. I need to kind of confront them or I need to challenge them. Or maybe you've been in a situation where you've just given a hug or you've, you've shared some words of encouragement that felt like the Spirit showed up in and through you. Have you had those Simeon moments? I hope and pray that you've had them. And I've had a handful of them too. And I don't know why I don't... Make more of an effort to want to slow down and wait and live in those kind of moments every day because I think it's our invitation from God to live in those moments and have the Holy Spirit upon us to participate in the story that God's writing. Third question, that was the third question. Number four, here's a question. When he sees Jesus, how would it feel to be like Simeon to say, hey, I'm good to go? How would it feel to get to the end of your life and be able to say, Hey, I'm good to go. Some of you maybe have had experiences where you've had to let go of people close to your life. You know, this last several weeks with my dad really sick with uh, his surgery, um, there are a lot of times where we're trying to feel like, ah, can we say he's good to go? Can we let him go? Is he good to go? We can't get to talk to him. Are we ready to release him? Give him up? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? All those hard questions? Maybe you've even had the conversations with loved ones who they, they've been alert and aware and they've got to that end of their life. They're like, I am so good to go. I'm, I'm at peace. I'm good to go. My gosh. I want to live my life to the very end and be in that moment like Simeon and say, I am good to go. God, your promises have been so good to me. I've seen some things accomplished. You've been part of my life and it's finished. Like the words of Jesus, it's finished. I am good to go. Would that be a great prayer to say at the end? That's a question I think about when I look at Simeon's life. Question number five. Do you and I have the same kind of response as Simeon when we see Jesus? I mean, check this out. This guy's been waiting and waiting and waiting, and he pushes through this crowd, and he attacks this little peasant family, and he picks up this baby, and he bursts into a big, a big song. And joy is just overcoming him. He had joy 
as he picked up this baby. And I was just challenged by the question, do you and I have the same kind of joy, the same kind of response when we think of Jesus, when we read about Jesus, when we talk with our friends at church about Jesus, when we pray to Jesus, or has the story of Jesus become so common to us that that we're just kind of bored and maybe not even that grateful? If I'm meddling in your life, I apologize. But I was challenged by that. Because I do think we have an invitation every day to take the gift that that we have in our relationship with God and be overjoyed to the fact that the king of everything, the creator of the universe, loves us and invites us into this relationship and this love through Jesus. And that should make us jump for joy. Not just at Christmas time, but every day. So be challenged by Simeon's response when he sees Jesus. The last question. So it leads us to this. What's your heart cry when you really embrace the statement, Jesus, I've seen my salvation in you? What's your heart cry? I've seen my salvation in you. You know, over the last several weeks, we've been um, writing prayers on hearts. Do you all have hearts out there? Hopefully you have them. We can get you some from, or, or square cards. Yeah, square cards are are hearts that are yet to be cut out. (laughs) We've been lifting up hearts hearts cries to God over the last month. And here's here's what I want us to think about about our hearts cry tonight. Today as we're thinking about Simeon's faith. Is to to write our our prayer in one of two ways. It has to do with that that comfort thing we talked about earlier. That comfort thing. Either to write our prayer as a prayer of gratitude and thanksgiving to say, Thank you, Jesus, for a time when I needed comfort and you were there for me. And be specific about that prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for that time I needed comfort when my dad was about to go and you were there for me. Maybe you have a a gratitude prayer. Or maybe in your situation right now, you're still waiting like Simeon was. You're still hoping that that answered prayer would come. And so maybe it needs to be a prayer that says, you know, Jesus, please bring bring me comfort in this situation with my broken relationship with a friend or with my lack of hope in this situation or with the doubts I have about this or with the hurt we have about finances, whatever you might put in this heart. I'm going to give you a couple minutes to write one of those two prayers, a gratitude prayer or a need for comfort prayer. Go ahead and take some time. You might need to finish it up um, during our worship song here, but um, I got to tell you that uh, um, two months ago, I would have had a blank card. Two months ago, I was having a hard time being able to pray. Um, my dad didn't come, he did well with his surgery, but he, his body was falling apart after his surgery for lung cancer in Salt Lake, and I was there for a couple weeks initially, and then I had to come home. And... Um, it's several times just things looked really grave like we were done and I felt like I still had more time to spend with my dad I was in an angry place I was uh, grieving I was frustrated and and prayers weren't coming easy and it was really hard to wait and think that prayers would be answered so I was here on a Sunday morning and I got an email I have permission to share uh, from uh, the pastor I had growing up uh, he's kind of my spiritual dad. His name is Tom. He sends me this email. 
Thanks, Chris, for the update. I just sent an email that Dad was, was uh, his situation was grave. Thanks, Chris, for the update. I really wanted to talk to you, but know you are busy and have a lot of calls with people checking in. I had an interesting experience in prayer for your dad the other day. It felt like I met him in some inner way. It was my feeling that he had mixed feelings about wanting to live. I think life has been hard for him emotionally the last few years, and part of him would just like to get off the difficult road. My feeling is that he needs to hear how much he is loved and needed and encouraged that things can be different in the coming years. He needs hope. But I felt that he needed to hear this from family, not just me, if and whatever level it might be communicated. That is not to say you've not communicated it, but when one is in a really dark place and death looks attractive, it is hard to hear and to believe. So that's why the calls to you every few days for the last week or so. Finally, I figured you would call me when you wanted to. I have no certainty that what I experienced in prayer was anything more than my imagination, so take it as you want. But I am feeling hope for your dad. Not only to recover, but to start a new life. But he will need some real help. I'm so grateful I have a Simeon in my life who is listening and prepared for the Holy Spirit to tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, a friend needs a word of encouragement. And um, Tom didn't know any details about my dad's struggles like that. But the Holy Spirit impressed it upon his heart to write this email. And so I called my brother Tom in the hospital in Utah and just read it to him and say, you got to whisper in dad's ear these things. you got to let him know we're not, we're not good for him to go. And he did. And uh, by God's grace, our, our waiting prayers were answered in some amazing ways. And Dad is doing really, really well. And when Dad got this email this last week, I think he's amazed at the level at which God wants him to know that he's not through with them. That his story is still being written. My friends, I should say, because I actually believe this, this email is probably for all of us. In whatever dark place we have going on, whatever disappointments or hurts or dead ends that our story seems to have taken, I believe this email is for us too to know to not give up, to keep praying those heart prayers, to keep crying out, and to know that as we wait, our waiting prayers can be answered. Something Simeon taught us, wasn't it? And it's really, really good news. We're going to pray, and during this next worship song, I'd encourage you to bring uh, up your heart prayers and just drop them in the basket, and we'll stand and we'll continue the, the worship after, after that. So please pray with me, right? Father, thank you so much for your goodness, for um, just amazing answers to prayers that I've experienced in my life here recently. And it could have gone a hundred different ways, and still you would, you would have been good. But I'm so grateful that uh, you brought a word of hope to my dad and a word of hope to me. So as we reflect on those hurts in our lives and those places we need comfort, I pray that you would come close to us and help us experience uh, the answers to our prayers in very real and tangible ways. Holy Spirit, we want to know you're real and we want to experience you every day.
Thank you for the goodness of your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.